Buck remembered. He remembered hunting and mating and fighting and exploring, always with zest. He remembered being curious about everything and understanding almost nothing. He remembered his pride in the ability to fashion a pitiful few tools, sharpened sticks, chipped stone implements, straps cut from cured animal hide. He remembered staring awestruck into campfires. He remembered conversing with family, if the concepts expressible in a few hundred grunts and gestures could be called conversation. The world then was ever new and exciting and usually inexplicable. Sometimes, when people died, a reason was obvious, torn by wild beasts or fallen from a great height or impaled on a spear. But many deaths came without warning or reason, with only the onset of bad sense to explain. For scent was everything. How one found or avoided one's enemies, how one bonded with one's family, how one was drawn to mates and knew one's own children. He remembered the rich, warm scent of family. Every person had a unique smell, and yet the subtleties of that aroma declared one lineage for generations. He was not called Thisfak then. There were no names, for names were not necessary. To smell relationships sufficed. Scent was everything, and death was everywhere, and life, life was intense. Lightning and starlight, seasons and tides, the ways of beasts and the wants of the mysterious beings occasionally glimpsed at a distance, and even less often intervening. All were unfathomable and wondrous. For all their poignancy and grip, those memories were indistinct. A breeder merely dipped a toe into the great sea of sapience. And then, one day, as happened to all breeders who reached a suitable age, he smelled heaven. Heaven was another vague concept for breeders. As they threw rocks and spears, so, obviously, far mightier beings hurled the lightning. Who but gods could carry sun and moon across the sky? Who but gods could arrange the stars and command the faces of the moon? Perhaps, as many thought, the gods descended from heaven and took mortal form to visit their people. It would explain the mysterious strangers and their magic implements. And since heaven was surely a better place, it would explain why the mysterious strangers came so seldom. Heaven, it turned out, was not in the sky. Heaven was a tree, scarcely more than a shrub, ordinary in every way, past many times before, entirely familiar. On that day it exuded a scent of irresistible potency. Suddenly he had found himself prone at its roots, scratching with his bare hands at the rocky soil. The smell urged him forward, downward, indifferent to torn fingernails and flayed skin and the blood streaming from his hands. He must find... he did not know what. Fingers digging madly found a gnarled, yellow-orange length of tree root. The scent grew overpowering. When next he was aware of himself, his stomach was painfully engorged. His jaws worked mindlessly on a mouthful of something almost too fibrous to chew. He was flat on his back beside a length of exposed tree root, from which a few rough-skinned tubers still clung. Sap oozed where more tubers had surely been ripped loose. In some dim recess of his thoughts, he knew it was a tuber like these on which he helplessly gnawed. All around was a stench that part of him wanted to flee, and part of him recognized was somehow himself. That his very scent could change was terrifying. Yet another part of him noted, with unusual clarity, that whatever had overcome him had left him helpless. This reek, if it repelled others as much as himself, was all that kept away his enemies. The new smell was already fading, changing to yet another odor, something strangely right for him. How could that be? What more had changed? In a panic he explored his body. His hair had fallen out in clumps, from head and chest and limbs. His knees and elbows and hips protruded, magically become enormous. 
The knuckles of his hands were sore and enlarged. His mouth felt odd, the skin pulled unaccountably taut. When fearfully he explored with the hand unencumbered with a half-eaten tuber, his lips and gums were becoming one. His cheeks felt like cured animal hide. He patted his chest and legs and other arm. They, too, were becoming tough. He peered fearfully at his most personal parts. And they were gone. He howled, his anguish muffled by a mouthful of the root that had maimed him. And yet, despite pain and shock and confusion, he could not help but notice his thoughts had never been clearer. He continued to chew. The droning of machinery changed pitch as another deep ice core neared the surface. This fuck returned from the eternal present of a breeder into this present, awakening into a deep sense of loss. Breeders felt. Then he had been one with the land, one with his family, passionate about every experience.